Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, welcome, welcome back to a unlive, pre-recorded <laughs> banter. What a, what a, what a, what a uh, return to the norm- normalcy after two live banters. Yeah, I know. And what's fun about this one is this one's recorded in the past, before the sermon was even preached. Look, so. we're, we're, we're a little t- time lords here, but we'll, we'll get to it. And hopefully the uh, banter that we you're listening to now is uh, in line with the sermon, that, which is preached on Sunday. But this is the, uh, the joy of catching up with people's mm. schedules. Mitch... How was your long weekend? Because that's what has just happened it now. Yeah. What did you get up to yesterday? Uh, we caught up with Elijah. Ooh. Who, for those who don't know, was our old sports manager. Nice one. And his wife, Rachel. Nice. And their three kids. Yeah, awesome. So, Very yeah. cool. Very cool. We uh, we had a nice little uh, date yesterday, Em and I. We went out to the new pizza place around the corner in North Kellyville. It was a lovely, lovely little time spent together. And thank you to Aunty Mary and Uncle Alex for facilitating <laughs> that. <laughs> So it was a good time. But we are kind of going into this next part of <coughs> Jeremiah. We're going looking at the prophet himself, Jeremiah. Um, I think a lot of the time we can sort of forget that each one of these prophets are their own unique characters, have their own sort of backstory and sort of, you know, just personality that's going on. And Jeremiah, out of all of the prophets, is is quite unique in a lot of ways. Um, what sort of insight do we get in the book of Jeremiah to his sort of mindset, his personality, um, that maybe isn't as prevalent in some of the other yeah. prof- prophetic books? Yeah, so in Jeremiah, we really get his, his first-person reflection mm. upon the calling on his life mm. and the real struggle that is for him Mm. Um, yeah in chapters 11 to 20 of Jeremiah they call that Jeremiah's confessions Mm. or his laments which Mm. is yeah it's not he's confessing his sins it's more like he's confessing his heart he's pouring out his heart to God Mm. and in that we see some very very strong language of how his view of God Mm. uh, almost yeah borderline blasphemous in some of it but then at the same time too remains very steadfast in his calling. And so mm. unlike, <clears throat> say, Isaiah or Ezekiel, like the two other major prophets, mm. we don't we don't really know what was happening in their mind, per mm. se, how they were feeling. With Jeremiah, we really get deep insight into what this calling upon him was like. Mm. And it wasn't great, <laughs> to put it that way. This yeah. He felt, yeah, like God is a deceptive brook that he, you know, like a brook that should have water but doesn't. He, mm. yeah, uses words of like a seducer Mm. you seduced me into this Mm. and yeah you've left me wanting Mm. and so but part of that even with his lament and real struggle with the calling upon him he always goes back to yeah but you're like my warrior but your words like a fire Mm. in my in my heart and i can't stop doing it and so Mm. there's this tension in him between the difficulty of of his calling but also i suppose for lack of a word, the love that he has for God hmm. and the calling upon him, he he won't he won't deviate from what from being a prophet. Um, hmm. In many ways, the prophets embody like Yahweh's words. Hmm. So w- when you hear the words of Jeremiah, they're really like Yahweh's, like God's words. Sure. And like while God's furious at the sin that's happening in Jerusalem, 
He's also, for him, it, it's hurting. Like, Israel is his bride. Israel is his firstborn son. There's a lot of these metaphors, this, this family kind of language mm. to describe their relationship together. And so Jeremiah's laments and struggles with his calling, in a sense, almost reflects Yahweh's heart against mm. what's happening with Jerusalem and the mm. people. Mm. Um, yeah, and then... Yeah, I suppose like with the prophet suffering, it's a little bit like Jesus. Like we see Jesus fully, like God himself. We actually see in human form the, mm. the, the, the God-man suffering on the cross. And so Jeremiah, his suffering and laments almost in a way like points us to how God feels mm. about his people. God doesn't just bring down wrath and judgment because he enjoys that. <coughs> There's yeah a holiness to him yeah. that has to punish sin and needs to be judged. But... Yeah, he just doesn't do it because he enjoys it. It actually hurts him deeply. And so, in a sense, seeing Jeremiah's confessions and his laments mm. also speaks a bit into God's heart of what he's called mm. Jeremiah to do and the actions against his people. Mm. And, yeah, well, because ultimately judgment's not the end. God just doesn't wipe out Jerusalem and say, well, that's it, sucked in, you're dead. It's, mm. we're going to build something new. And mm. that goes back to what we're talking about on Sunday mm. about the theme of the book yeah, up, de- uproot, tear down mm. but to re- replant and to rebuild mm. so, that's a really I think interesting and helpful way to frame a prophet's role mm. and even a prophet's action or job mm. sort of thing, what, what the physical action of what they're doing to embody Yahweh's word, to embody the word of God because mm. I think that Often our modern day perception and understanding of a prophet and what prophecy is, is fortune telling Mm. and oracles and this sort of future thing. There is an element Mm. of that Mm. that we see in prophecies throughout, you know, the Old Testament. Um, And even we see it in Jeremiah's own, you know, works like this will this will happen if you, you know, don't turn from your ways like Babylon (laughs) will come down. That There is definitely those moments in his prophetic declarations Mm. Um, but a lot of the time it's speaking into the very current situation at that very Mm. current time um, and not necessarily foretelling something but rather speaking God's truth being God's word embodied into that situation I think it's a really helpful way to understand that that is the primary job Mm. of prophecy um, and and prophets that Mm. um, it's not predominantly the fortune-telling part. Um, So in all of this, we kind of see that throughout these confessions or lamentations, can we quickly, why are they called confessions? They don't really seem like confessions. So like in Jeremiah 11 to 20, they're not, when I sort of look at them myself, Mm -hmm. confession probably isn't the best verb that I could choose. Why aren't they called Jeremiah's laments? Short answer is I don't actually really know. It just seems to be what, it's called like most of the commentaries I've gone through just call these uh, chapter these verses eleven to twenty his confessions. So it's probably I would guess here, and I probably could be wildly off, is that it's probably tied in with older, maybe perhaps Latin language and confession sure. being more of com- like confessing to God how he feels and yeah, yeah. But yeah. it just seems to be what it's called. It's just yeah. these are just Jeremiah's confessions. Sure, and. Yeah, I'm sure I could dig into the... the no, of, uh, no <laughs> I think it's just helpful that, um, to like understand that sometimes we can get a bit limited by yeah. a you know sort of phraseology mm. or an idiom that comes into being, but let's not allow that to cloud no. you know, our understanding of this or confuse yeah. us. Really, to say Jeremiah's laments. Laments is probably is better. Fair. Yeah, look, probably it's better. Just, yeah, it's funny, church tradition can often like... <laughs> Muddy it, the waters. Yeah, <laughs> because people just 
just go with like what's a word that's been used for hundreds of years yeah. and language changes over time well it's like well. um colin's question yeah what's the word under i'm like oh that's just jeremiah in latin yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing fancy about it yeah no but so in all of these we've got these these laments that come through it um what is what is the point like what i mean mm. it can get a bit of a downer a bit depressing mm. kind of reading you know jeremiah's laments throughout and i think that it's easy sometimes um especially if you're reading um say jeremiah you know a chapter a day <laughs> right not reading it as yeah. a bigger collection um you can i assume get lost in it a little bit and yeah. kind of start to lose the overall focus what is the actual point what are, what are we yeah. to glean from these so, laments so laments at their heart it's obviously complaining to god about the situation that the yeah, lamenter is in. So yeah. we get laments in the Psalms and obviously the prophets. Um, and so at its core, I see it as about a cry for, for justice. It's like, well, God, if you're meant to be who you say you are, mm. then why are things so terrible? Um, so there's a great lament um, in chapter 12 of Jeremiah. Let me just look it up here get the internet to work for us where jeremiah essentially um he says you know you are righteous god when i bring a case before you yet when i speak with you about your justice um why does the way of the wicked prosper why mm. do all the faithless live at ease you have planted them here you go back to our theme words you have planted them and they have taken root they grow and bear fruit you're always on their lips but far from their hearts and so that's a, I say that's a great like core message of a lament. You know, you're righteous. I'm bringing, I'm bringing my case before you. Yeah, when I speak about justice, why is the wicked prosper? Mm. And I say that as like the heart of all laments is mm. that well, yeah, like why why is the world upside down? Mm. If and I guess it's a question that a lot of doubters, uh, even like faithful Christians, will ask is well, if God is so good, why is there so much evil and suffering? Mm. And yeah, uh, the. And this is what I just love about the Bible and gives me such confidence is that these are the, these are the questions that the biblical authors themselves ask and are not afraid to have these wrestling and com like these yeah, strong worded prayers mm. and conversations with God. And so, yeah, at the core, like that's what these laments are about. It's about the injustice that they're seeing. Mm. And so, yeah, Jeremiah's laments, some of them are about the laments of the sin that he's witnessing and mm. the people's hard hardness. Some of them are literally what we were talking about earlier about the calling on his life and just feeling, um, yeah, neglected. And actually, so if we go back to Jeremiah 11, because um, it flows in really well at the end of Jeremiah chapter 11 to verse 12. So in chapter 11, there's, there's a little heading from verse 18. It says, Plot against Jeremiah. Mm. And just this is from verse 8. It says, Because the Lord revealed their plot to me. So mm. this is actually his townsman. Like mm. he's from the, Jeremiah's from a city called Anoth. And so this is his own like townspeople, his own family. Mm. Because the Lord revealed their plot to me, I knew it. For at that time, he showed me what they were doing. I had been like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. Jeez, mm. that, that sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? It's real like. Yeah. Um, I did not realize that they had plotted against me, saying, let us destroy the tree and its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name will be remembered no more. Mm. And so then he quotes those people. And then this is Jeremiah's. This is what's hard about Jeremiah. You're sort of changing voices. So yeah. while it's all Jeremiah's words... Mm. 
sometimes he's speaking first person, sometimes it's Yahweh's words, sometimes he's speaking about the crowd. So in verse 20 he says, But you, Lord Almighty, who judge righteously and test the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have committed my cause. Mm. And yeah, that's, yeah, tying in there with that verse 12, like, oh, you know, like, you're righteous. I put my case before you, but why mm. the wicked prospering? And mm. so, yeah, this is, I guess the, the cool thing with Jeremiah is it's often his arguments, say, it can be complex and that's hard, like if you're reading it chapter by chapter. Mm. But I think that's often how the human mind works. Is that it's like a bit of a it's a bit of a flow ebb and flow. We yeah, can, we're able to see the pros and the cons, yeah. or you know, sort of the laments and the rejoicing mm. in the same moments. We can see mm. both sides, and yeah, I think that it does. Yeah, I, I suppose present a very um, vulnerable and transparent and honest sort of representation mm. of what's really going on. Um, I think in all of this as well, this idea of it being you know you're talking about before. Um, Jeremiah's sort of <coughs> embodying the words of mm. Yahweh. Um, you've got down here in a little note here mm. that all of these sort of laments throughout, um, you know, th- this section, they embody suffering. And mm. it's, it's this sort of the calling of the prophet to embody mm. suffering. For us, how does that inform sort of our practice today? Mm. Do you think that it's an overstatement to say that in some ways um, followers of Christ are all called to be prophets in some way? So it's interesting. Like some people define prophecy as like a commentator on social events. So you hear the word, oh, he's a prophet for our age. And they're not saying like it's a foreteller. Like we were saying before, it's almost like a commentary on events. yeah, I, I guess the, that's the, we use the term prophet in the sense of like a Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or an Amos, someone like that. Sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's that many Christians out there that are called to be a prophet mm. like that. Um, yeah, certainly with the Spirit's arrival, mm. we are given dreams. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess and visions and yeah, perhaps like prophetic insight. I know like there's been mm. things that I've known are from God and... Yeah, almost you could, for lack of, but almost like fortune telling. Like, I know that this is going to happen. I know mm. that this is God's going to lead this. Mm. And that's all I know. And so you have to sort of just trust in that. Um, yeah, uh, cre- uh, but let's use the term like um, that more com- a commentator on social events. I think as Christians, we're all called mm. to have that. Mm. Um, that to represent Jesus does require suffering. Jesus mm. was pretty clear about the call of discipleship about picking up a cross and following after him. And mm. so picking up a cross for us in Australia is going to look very different to picking up a cross in, say, Pakistan or in Afghanistan. But the calling I see is no no less. Um, I actually just started reading a book on the Sermon on the Mount. I only got through the first chapter, and it's about it's the, the author uses Jewish text and showing how Matthew's essentially creating a new covenant document. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, the opening chapter just struck me. He says, you know, in a time in the church, we're trying to kind of make it easier for people to get in. We actually need to go harder. Mm. It's like, wow, that's so countercultural. We say like, oh, we need to make our sermon shorter. We need to kind of make it more accessible to people. And he goes, no, in some sense, we actually need to raise the bar higher for people. So mm. this is a serious calling mm. in our lives. And yeah, look, there's times you read Jesus' words, you think, wow, that's really harsh you know, yeah. foxes have <laughs> holes but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head yeah. let the dead bury their own dead you're like oh that's yeah. quite brutal and yeah. look the most brutal image of all is picking up the cross we're so like desensitized to the yeah. cross yeah but yeah it, 
don't know, I've heard the analogy like pick up your electric chair. It doesn't really work, but we just yeah. You can think of something that's quite horrific and sacrificial in our context. Yeah. Imagine that. That's what Jesus is saying we have to do each and every day. So, yeah, I think as Christians we are called, in a sense, to be commentators on social events and. Mm. Yeah, and perhaps recognize too that there's times where we are going to be persecuted and that's okay Jesus actually mm. says that like ah oh, blessed are you when you're persecuted for mm. my name's sake mm. um, but and yeah and in a weird way rejoicing about that that's what Jesus said hey like you know in the same way the prophets were also treated so mm. rejoice in that mm. um, yeah but then to having the that's what's good about Jeremiah the framework to go if you're hurting that's okay like it shouldn't mm. be just <laughs> Sunshines and roses yeah. all the time, and yeah. like emotional pain is no different to physical pain. I yeah. do find it interesting with some Christians. Well, we're just saying for the podcast that song, um, "We Should Never Be Discouraged, Take It to the Lord mm. in Prayer." Yeah, what's that song? Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Mm. And it's like, yeah, the taking to the Lord in prayer is a good part, but sure. the being discouraged part actually is quite unbiblical because we the say, idea that we'll never be discouraged. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, actually, no, the prophets were discouraged mm. at times in fact Jesus himself was discouraged in Gethsemane you couldn't say that he was full of you know yeah. <laughs> encouragement he was thoroughly discouraged and yeah. so yeah that's uh, there's that. a um, I don't know if you ever heard of the band King's Kaleidoscope um, they uh, American kind of worship band mm. that um, have one song that was kind of quite uh, what's the word I suppose controversial when it came out um, quite a few years ago probably about six years ago now mm. um but it was called a prayer um and ultimately like twice in the song you know they dropped the f-bomb um and the sort of thought of that is yeah a a, a really genuine and unfiltered lament um mm. there's a really interesting sort of um interview that the the lead singer had and he kind of said that he wasn't trying to do this to be a shock jock mm. um, but ultimately for it to be something which really was representative of the very vulnerable conversations um, that he had with God um, about his fear that it, well I'm feeling right now that God's mm. abandoned me in my earthly situation how can I even be certain mm. in some ways he takes it one step further that you're not going to forsake me in the afterlife mm. as well that's sort of this you know wrestling not only with the pain and suffering that he'd experienced in his very real life right now but then what does that mean for my eternal salvation mm. you know sort of not only a because this is this is this this faith crisis as well, um, and it is really fascinating. I think that mm. the fact and idea that the overwhelming majority of the church and Christian culture were really taken aback by this song and really shocked by it does sort of speak into the idea of like how many songs of lament do we mm. really have um, in our modern culture? Mm. It's something that we kind of are a bit averse to that we don't like to lean into. Um, and it's something which, you know, from my assessment is, you know, we're, we're quite poor in, in mm. the modern church. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard but about that bus crash up in Newcastle. No. So there was a, it was a wedding up in the Hunter and I'm not sure what happened exactly, but the, the bus driver turned the bus and 36 people on there, 10 were killed and 25 are in hospital. And I saw this morning that the Catholic and Anglican diocese up in the Hunter region opened their doors up to help people like pray mm. and to 
yeah, try to make sense of, because a lot of the people came from Singleton, which is a pretty small town yeah. and people, everyone knows everyone. So yeah. this is just devastating. Right now, people are just devastated. They all are impacted by this accident. And yeah, that, that yeah, just such a, a great response of saying, well, we don't have the answers for why this happened, but mm. here we're giving you the community an option to like really pour out your heart through prayer mm. and yeah it's one i think it's one of the things i've just noticed particularly probably more the mainstream evangelical church we try to present jesus in this really great which is which is true like we have this victory in jesus and with jesus all things are better and yeah, it's truth to all of that but we have to have space for lament because life is very very broken and yeah. Look, I remember Jordan Peterson once said, he goes, if you haven't gone through suffering, you will, or you have. Like, that's essentially what he said. Mm. At some point in time, you're going to have some sort of horrific tragedy. You're going to lose, you're going to lose your spouse. You're going to lose your parents. You're going to, like, something's going to happen. And you've got to be ready for that. And there's, yeah, kind of we spoke a little bit about on Sunday about the prosperity gospel. If that's your view of God, then you're going to be bitterly disappointed mm. constantly because yeah god is good god is all powerful god wants god does want our well-being mm. but yeah in this fallen world of upside down justice mm. doesn't always work out that way mm. and this is where having a theology of lament is so important um mm. yeah and look and that's probably a rebuke on myself perhaps i think this, this is why i wanted to do the series in jeremiah Mm. Is that, yeah, okay, we actually need to give our church members uh, some tools to help them wrestle because we have families that are going through stuff right now. Sure. And we will have families that will go through stuff. And yeah. perhaps they can be like, okay, I'm really angry with God right now. And that's okay because Jeremiah himself was angry. He thought God was a deceptive brook. He thought God was like a deceptive lover that's led him away and basically raped him and just used and abused him. But then can go, well, God's also my mighty warrior who's going to fight for me. Mm. So we can like this, have this almost contradictory viewpoint, and that's okay. You can mm. have this, just pour your heart out to God. He's not going to zap you with lightning. Mm. He will listen to you. And ultimately, <clears throat> and that's always the hope of like the, the Psalms of Lament and Jeremiah. Well, God's going to vindicate me. Mm. I will get through this one day. Um, and Jeremiah does. He yeah, he is vindicated, ironically, by Jerusalem's destruction. Everyone's mm. saying he's a false prophet and chuck him in chains and throw him into wells and prison. And this might happen. It is when Babylon finally does destroy Jerusalem, he is vindicated. And mm. so, yeah, what, what, what God called him to did come true. Mm. It just cost him a lot. And yeah, and for us, yeah, okay, maybe you're not <laughs> called to prophesy destruction against Jerusalem, mm. but. Yeah, that will be, have to be prophets, I guess, in our own families when we <coughs> see loved ones that are dying or, mm. yeah, just, just to be able to have that space to help shape and guide our friends and family in their heartache. Mm. Um, it's a big call and I think that um, one that framed in that way can also be very empowering. Mm. Um, and I think that one thing that's interesting, not to sort of keep on going back, mm. but I, I think that this idea of, for lack of a better word, a prosperity gospel mm. is actually seen quite sort of um, physically embodied in other prophets in the book of Jeremiah. Mm. Um, one, one prophet that we've got is Pasha, 
yeah. um, in Jeremiah 20. Mm. Um, before we sort of go into, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, yeah. I'll, I'll serve that one to you and do with it <laughs> as you want, but I'd love to sort of explore. Pasha definitely is presented as somebody who is um, calling themselves a prophet, mm. who is recognized as a prophet in that culture, um, but definitely isn't the same kind of prophet as no. Jeremiah. Um, yeah, did you want to unpack yeah. that? And what do we do with that? So, look, it's de- it's not in um, Jeremiah, but we know from Second Kings, oh, was it 23? I can't remember exactly where it is. No, it can't be Second Kings 23. Anyway, there's a story in Kings about the death of Ahaz where the prophet Micah, he mm. is the only one that goes against like the official prophets mm-hmm. about him going to war. And, you know, you're going to be defeated. Micah says, well, I saw the heavenly council and God asked the question, well, who's going to entice um, Ahaz to go to war? And this spirit comes and says, I'll be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of the prophets. And so that gives us a bit of insight that there are, yeah, deceiving spirits where people think they're actually prophesying Yahweh. Mm-hmm. But it's actually not. Mm-hmm. And so while we don't have that knowledge of Pasha, but he's definitely called... Well, he's, he's a called a priest. And so I'll kind of read out what, what's here. So this is from verse 20. It says, When the priest, Pasha, son of Emir, the official in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah beaten, put in the stocks. And the next day, he's <clears throat> Pasha releases him. And, he, and then Jeremiah says, in, The Lord's name for you is not Pasha, but terror on every side. For this is what the Lord says. I'll make you a terror to yourself and to your friends with your own eyes. And you'll see them fall by the sword of their enemies. I'll give all Judah into the hands of the king of Babylon. He'll carry carry them away to Babylon or put them to the sword. And he goes on like that for a while. And he sort of concludes. He says, And you, Pasha, and all who live in your house will go into exile to Babylon. There you will die and be buried. And all of your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. Mm. He like, doesn't mince these words. No. So this guy, like he's a priest, but obviously has... Some priests did have some prophetic giftings. Sure. So, yeah, we know in the Gospels that the high priest at that time prophesied that Jesus would die. So it's not outside the realm of possibility of him prophesying too. But sure. Yeah. yeah if God can speak through a donkey, right? Yeah, he like. can speak through a priest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so this priest, he just passionately assuming that, well, no, no, that God would never allow this. This kind of ties in that four strand of the popular theology about, yeah, the... The covenant with um, Moses, the mm-hmm. the land, um, King David, Abraham, mm. and all that, and so mm. yeah, there's this assumption: oh, God will never ever allow mm. that. And yeah, and so I guess into our context, there's people who probably think God will act a certain way and mm. do a certain thing, or never, never, no, God would never ever do that. Mm. And yeah, I've heard people tell me, you know, in kind of particularly when we had Asher. They didn't say it in these words, but they gave us a book by a prosperity author, which in no words lie said, oh, the reason for like our problems is because yeah, we had sin in our lives that was unconfessed. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, Rachel, she was so angry. Probably mm. like, Jamra, she threw the book away. She was mm. so angry. She's like, just said like, so the reason my baby is sick is because, you know, we've unconfessed sin. And that was like, yeah. And I don't think that was what that person was intending. I think she was like, oh, here, you got a problem? Here's a solution. Yeah. You just need to read this book. And it's like, well, no, like life doesn't work. It's not the A plus B equals C mm. formula. <coughs> but yeah, anyway, so kind of going back to, to Pasha, what's, what's interesting about this is, um, yeah, after sort of getting stuck into him and telling him, yeah, you're going to die in Babylon, that's when Jeremiah has another lament. 
Mm. And so, yeah, the, the, the call of a false prophet, it, it tickles people's ears. Mm. You become very popular. Mm. Who would you rather listen to? Someone saying, oh, don't worry. Everyone who was taken to Babylon is going to come back. Oh, don't worry. Babylon's mm. going to be defeated in a couple of years. Don't worry. Or this guy over here yelling at, no, nah, actually Babylon, going to Babylon's where you need to go. Mm. You're going to want to listen to the person that tickles years yeah of course you might have had friends and family that were taken in 597 when mm. Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego went off so there's this oh it'd be good if they came back mm. like, so and I guess the same now like you don't want to hear that we don't we want to want to cut out the the ugly parts of the gospel yeah yeah there's yeah some like hard truths in scripture where you're like oh I can't talk about that oh let's cut that out let's sort of make it a nice packaged meal yeah and that's how yeah, for lack of a better word, these sort of false teachings come about is we want to mm. present a gospel that's not offensive, that people can like, that people want to listen to, yeah. where we read this and it's like, well, actually, no, there's some very hard truths that mm. we need to listen to. And that's how God operates. Mm. And yeah, that might cost you dearly, but mm. this is ultimately, this is sort of, I guess yeah. part of that is, yeah. and then rewarded for that ultimately, is that mm. it's going to be tough now, mm. but look at the future outcomes from that. Mm. And we say ultimate, and like we've kind of noted already some of the little illusions that Jeremiah has to Jesus. And we say it with Jesus, someone who suffered tremendously, mm. the full wrath of God poured out. <coughs> yeah, I guess the, for like you could say every, every judgment of God was laid upon him, mm. which explains, yeah, that cry of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. But then he's indicated. Mm. And so that's a pattern for us too, is that there's an element of suffering for us, but then we've indicated. Mm. Mm. I think there's a um, really powerful contrast in those two sort of, you know, the Jeremiah and, you know, mm. I, I mean, Pasha is one example. Yep. There's, a, there's a few sort of yep. false prophets who are kind of tickling the king's mm. ears. But I think that one, um, being discerning of, you know, things that we hear ourselves, mm. uh, you know, in whatever capacity that might be, whether it's a foretelling sort of oracle prophecy <laughs> or whether it's, you know, just sort of God's truth. And mm. I use that in inverted yeah, yeah. commas spoken into our lives from, you know, preachers or whoever yeah. it might be. Um, but I think um, the second sort of part of that is as a, you know, group of Christ followers who believe that they are a priesthood of believers, um, being wise in how we present God as mm. well. You know, in a way, we are just like Jeremiah now called to embody mm. Yahweh's words and present that to people who both know and don't know mm. him. Um, and the responsibility that is to be framing that appropriately and truthfully and accurately, um, because it is really hard. It's, you know, we, we want to, I think, as a hum as human mm. beings, one, hear the good news right mm -hmm. we want we want that that always to hear the good thing um that things are going to be okay that you know mm. there's certainty in it um but we also don't really like the gray uh mm. it's very unappealing you know as a color and also <laughs> just as a you know moral sort of you know definitive um but that's that's the real challenge and i yeah it, it is really tricky because i think that as you sort of said previously we you know want to make the gospel easy we want to mm. make christianity easy and i think being able to constantly offer a, a black and white um is very comforting mm. you know but ultimately we sit in this gray where it can be very 
difficult. It can be very unappealing sometimes. And ultimately, there's that challenge for us to not only be discerning of other messages mm. that we're hearing in that mm. are claiming to be the word of God, but also as we represent, you know, God's word ourselves to mm. others, being truthful and being a, a proper representation of that. It's a really big challenge because oh. we want to, you know, spout out Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm -hmm. Like I know the plans I yeah. have for you, <coughs> plans to, you know, prosper you yeah. and not to harm you, give, yeah. plans to give you hope in a future. But ultimately we know that that's not always the message for us as Christians and mm. just for human beings, that there are these moments, as you said, mm. through Jordan Peterson, that life is difficult, that we experience real pain and not having that black and white all the time mm. is really difficult, really, really difficult. But I think that's a challenge for us both as receivers and of, as givers mm. of, of God's word and of God's message. It's a mm. real challenge for me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what I find too is that with suffering, it should point us to the end, to the kingdom's arrival. That, mm. yeah, um, I was listening to a, a, a podcast about the fall of the Roman Empire in Britain. Just mm. fascinating because that's obviously where the Livingston family came from, Ireland. So, mm -hmm. UK, so I find a bit of a connection mm -hmm. there. And just, oh, what they suffered was just horrific. Mm. The Saxons, the Anglo, like the Vikings just coming in, wiping out people. When the Roman garrisons left, it was just a free fall. Mm. You're like, gosh, there's just so much pain and suffering mm. in this world. And like, it, to live in the 21st century is just a blessing <laughs> compared to yeah. the... Like, just, just unbelievable compared to every other century. It's like, wow. Yeah, and I suppose that points us to like Jesus' arrival mm. and Jesus' return. And when Paul can say, yeah, we don't mourn like those who, who have no hope mourn. It's like, yeah, we, we still are upset, but we have a deeper hope mm. to look forward to. And mm. where a chapter like 1 Corinthians 15 just means so much more. Mm. And you have a lo lo loved one that's lost or you see just horrific destruction around you. Like, yeah, we really just, this is our hope we cling to. It's not just a, mm. oh, yeah, that's nice. Like, you kind of tick the box, which mm. happens oh, particularly in the Hills area with so the Christian area of Sydney mm. being going to church is just another thing that you do it ticks mm. a box but mm. yeah it's like no this is like a life changing hope for me because mm. ultimately yeah, this world is good God created it to be good but mm. it's full of a lot of pain and tears and suffering mm. and yeah I often like in summer I know I'm getting sunburnt because of my pasty skin I think of that uh, little passage in Revelation where it says they'll no longer you know the sun will no longer bear <laughs> down on them you know and they, they heat and it's like yeah that'd be pretty good actually yeah, like, yeah, I wouldn't mind that <laughs> so yeah, for me in a sense suffering too it points to a deeper longing of the um, yeah what Jesus intention for this world is mm. and yeah and that, that kind of swings back to about the purpose of a lament it's mm. like, well, this shouldn't be right. This isn't yeah. right. Yeah. There's an injustice. There's an imbalance, Lord, to fix this. Yeah. It's what prophets are demanding. And mm. yeah, we, well, what's it now? The year 2023? Who knows when the Lord will return? Mm. But for us, we just keep crying out, come, Lord Jesus. Mm. And so that, yeah, gives us that. That's what my prayer is that we will hope us frame that around our laments more. It's like, well, this will hope us strive for the kingdom to come more. Mm. Like we, the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. Like that's powerful words. Mm. Like God eradicate evil and suffering in mm. this world. Let your let the kingdom be as it is in heaven, your your will's done in heaven now. Yeah. Let it be done here on this earth. Like reclaim back 
from the powers of darkness and evil mm. and so it's not just a mindless mantra it's a mm. call for god to eradicate all evil and pain to mm. answer the prayers of a jeremiah or a psalmist or yeah are you or i where we've prayed for healing and not seen it or prayed for relief and not seen it that's what we're yeah asking jesus to to do yeah at the moment i think i think that's that's the idea right in in the you know the struggle <laughs> of this gray that ultimately jesus is the only true black and white that oh, totally. we can be certain of yeah. and that's you know i think that we need to continue to yeah just be so conscious of the way that we are framing the gospel mm. the way that we are speaking and receiving that truth mm. that ultimately we don't know <laughs> mm. but christ is the one certainty yeah. of our faith christ is mm. the one black and white that in all of the gray of life in in both you know sometimes the shallow <laughs> sort of prosperity mm. and in the heartbreaking painful mm. turmoil and and you know struggles of the of world that that christ is the one thing that we know we're going to be able to continue to trust in mm that sort of makes, I suppose, that new covenant that Jeremiah mm. writes about um, all the more important mm. in all of this struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah, massive. Mm. Yeah, and if, um, yeah, I think comfort I draw is that there's a, as a Christian, like the gospel, yeah, four times talks about the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. We have a lot of external evidence to support the empty tomb. Mm. It's like, well, if that happened, don't know, he will come again. And so for me, that's, yeah, pretty much mm. what you said, you hit the nail on the head. That's mm. the, the black and white thing in this world. Mm. And that's, yeah, the only answer that we have is like, well, Jesus will return. And Jesus, yeah, I, and when, he, he, when he resurrects Lazarus, I still find it mind-boggling. Even though he knew he was going to resurrect him, he still weeps. Mm. It's like, okay, that's the same Jesus now. He mm. still weeps. Mm. Even though he may not be, yeah, maybe he may not, yeah, stop the death or stop mm. the sickness or mm. not answer the prayer we want. He still weeps. Mm. And so, yeah, Jesus is the true weeping prophet, so to speak. Mm. <laughs> he is the greater Jeremiah. Yeah. And yeah. Love yeah. that. It's very comforting I can have someone listening when yeah. you're going through things. So, yeah. 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 Not just listening, but <laughs> lamenting <laughs> yes. alongside yeah. you. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, as mm. we kind of mentioned, this has been all a little bit out of order in recording, yeah, yeah. but... Let's let let's really challenge Mitch right now. Gonna, <laughs> usually in banter, we would say, yeah. "So, Mitch, what are we going to be hearing yeah. about this Sunday?" Which will actually be next Sunday. Well, next Sunday. Well, this Sunday will be this message, will be, yeah. the loincloth. We'll be um, getting some synax going on. All right. So Do you want to give us be... a little a little teaser? What's, yeah. what's synax? So synax are uh, uh, parables that are acted out. It's mm. like drama. Mm. So a loincloth is for those who don't know. It's like ancient underwear. Yeah. Jeremiah's called to bury that. Mm. So, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get a pair of boxes or underwear. bury or something. your underwear? Yeah, I'll bury underwear. I'm going to get a little, um, uh, I'm going to get a little sand pit out. You know, those shells fill it Come with on. sand, bury what? it. I don't get into it, man. <laughs> well, I've given Murray the task of smashing a pot. So, that's going to happen <laughs> after a holiday. So, yeah. it will be a bit of drama, which I hope will, yeah, it will just, well, the point of Jeremiah doing that was to, make a memorable message mm. uh, that's the point of teaching is you want your learners to remember and mm-hmm. so hopefully it's not just a cheap gimmick but actually yeah a tool to help the church remember like oh, okay mm. like this is the loincloth is the most intimate part of clothing mm. that's a sim- similar to god's relationship with mm. the israelites mm. and they've breached that and so mm. just what he's discarding them like something seems it's not done lightly mm. and 
yeah, I guess just learning those lessons for us. Mm. So that should be fun. Hey, mm. it's a it's a pretty striking image. We <laughs> can't wait to watch <laughs> you bury your underwear on Sunday. <laughs> get there, make sure you get there early, get a good yeah, seat for yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for the chat. All bro. right, thank you. Appreciate it. And Cheers, uh, we'll see you guys Sunday. See ya. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Center Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.